Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, seated firmly in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe Tom Dorian, you doing yes, okay? I am. I'm great. How are Tom, you? Tom, we got you outnumbered today. I see that. It's it's two against one. It is. Our, uh, it's always our, two against uh, one, though. <laughs> we have a wonderful guest, and our guest is a is a deacon. It's, I'm a deacon, so that's two deacons against one. I know. But, Tom, you're a big guy. You used to play football, so I think you'll be able to hold your own. You think I can take you? I, th- <laughs> I don't know. Well, yes, I do. You can take it me, for sure. It might be a long day. Before it gets too long, uh, let's introduce our guest. We have Deacon Harold Burt Sivers, and he's a deacon from the Archdiocese of Portland. Deacon, Harold, how are you doing? I'm doing just great. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Have you ever seen anything so luxurious? as this. No, it's very nice. A nice atmosphere, you know, people just uh, hanging out. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, we need to get him something to drink. What do you we drink? Need... Water. Well, That's he's why. a water drinker. <laughs> we can take care of <laughs> we that. Can, we can do the water, but give him the good stuff, the stuff in the bottle. Don't give him that stuff at the faucet like you yeah, did the, the bishop tap, when he was here. Water. Well, Woo now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, well, from, I'm from Portland, Oregon, so you'd think I'd be into the whole coffee thing because Starbucks is just north of <laughs> Yeah, Seattle, you don't do that? I, I, just, I just never got into the coffee. Yeah. I just... I just don't like the we, way it tastes. We don't like Starbucks here either at the Catholic Cafe. <laughs> They're our competitors. Yeah. Those but, are fighting words in here. <laughs> exactly right. Deacon Harold, we thought it would be a great thing to get you on the air here in the Catholic Cafe to talk a little bit about yourself, about your ministry. And really, I've gotten a lot of emails from many of our listeners from around the world who want to know what's involved in being a deacon. What is a deacon? Where do the deacons come from? Why do we have deacons? What do they do? What do I call him? What does he look like? <laughs> On all of these questions, and how do they prepare if they if they feel they're being called the diaconate? So I thought maybe it'd be a good idea to invite another deacon on. And you're you've got a lot of stuff going on. You uh, uh, you've been on EWTN. You're getting ready to do a new series. Would you tell me on the diaconate? Yeah, for EWTN? I, we actually we, we finished filming it um, a few months ago. And I'm not sure when it's going to air, probably sometime later this year or early next year. Have you already written your Emmy speech when you get nominated <laughs> for an Emmy? Or <laughs> Well, the first two didn't get nominated, so I don't have, hold up much hope for this well, one Well, you either. third time's a charm. You know, good things come in threes, right, like the Trinity. So uh, maybe you'll get a churchy or something instead of an Emmy. Um, but all that aside, let's, let's talk a little bit about, about you first. What's your family like? Sure. I, I'm, I'm uh, originally from the island of Barbados in the okay. West Indies, that beautiful I've been to Barbados. Yes, yeah, see that beautiful island paradise. That's where I was it born. It was beautiful. It was yes. beautiful. Uh, we're first generation to come to the United States. Uh, we moved to New Jersey, which is where, where people typically ask me where I'm from. I just say I'm from New Jersey. There you go. Uh, and, uh, that but usually my, make, probably makes them shut up right then and there. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're not going to mess with you. But uh, my wife is from Oregon, and uh, she did not like the East Coast. And so I am out in Oregon now. Uh, for oh, the past 15 gotcha. years or What's so. What's your wife's name? Colleen. Colleen. And so how long have you and Colleen been married? 15 and a half years. Well, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Yep. You have, I you have, assume you have a couple of kids, We maybe? have four children. Four children. Yep. Very good. Claire, our daughter, is 12, and Angela's 10, and we have seven-year-old twins, Benjamin and Sophia. Wow. Well, that's so. beautiful. Wonderful. Uh, now, have you always been Catholic? My dad uh, was pagan. And my mom was a convert when she was about 11 or 12. And I'm the oldest child. So I'm actually the first infant baptized as Catholic in history of my family. Well, that's a wonderful thing. And I'm sure you've been uh, flourishing in the church because here you're a deacon now. And so I wanted to ask you how you got to that point in your life where you decided you wanted to be a deacon. Or were you really 
allowed God to convince you that, uh, that you yeah. need to be a deacon. Yeah, it's actually an interesting story because uh, and I'll, I'll just tell it quickly. Um, when I started serving Mass, about fifth or sixth grade, I felt a pull, a pull or a tug or an attraction to what was going on at the altar. Right. So I loved serving Mass and all of that. And, um, and that was really fostered and nurtured when I got to high school, which is run by Benedict the Monk, St. Benedict's Prep in Newark. Right. And so I, uh, I'm the first person in my family to go to college. I went to Notre Dame on an academic scholarship. I worked for a year and then joined the monastic community there. Wow. So I was with the Benedictines. You know, I'm thinking I'm become a monk and a priest. You're chanting in the whole nine yards. I'm doing the point. I'm doing the office, man. Gregorian <laughs> chant, Latin. I'm loving it, man. You know, and then my mom gets critically ill, almost dies. My parents are divorced, and so now I'm the oldest. I have to leave now to run the house. My sister is still in high school. I have to make sure she ate and got to school, and the mortgage was paid, and the bills were paid. And so while I was out, I went to a wedding of some Notre Dame friends of mine, and uh, met the woman who ended up being my wife. And so, needless to say, I did not go back to the monastery and uh, made my way out to Oregon. And I'll never forget, after, uh, during the first year in Oregon, um, we were at the Vigil Mass for Easter, Easter Vigil. And, and this is going to sound, and I'm not, a, I'm not like a, a mystic kind of thing or anything like that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just not me. <laughs> you kind of look know? mystically. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but I, so we're, during the glory, you know, the lights come on and the bells are ringing, everybody's singing Gloria, you know, and. And my wife is next to me, and there's no one behind me, okay? But I hear someone say, Deacon. So I I turn quickly to my wife. I'm like, that wasn't her. And I turned around, and there was nobody there. So I'm thinking to myself, did I just hear? And so I turn to my wife, I said, you hear that? She goes, hear what? Did someone say something about a deacon? She goes, no, I didn't. What are you talking about? So I I just kind of said, okay, I'm hearing things, you know. But it wouldn't leave me. And so I went to my pastor after Mass, and he said, I said, Father, tell me some more about deacons. He looked at me. He goes, you'd be a great deacon. I said, Father, I said, I can't be a deacon. I'm married. You know, and I'd never seen a permanent deacon. The only deacons I knew were the guys in the monastery going on to priesthood. Like the transitional Transitional deacons. Deacon. So he said to me, no, 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 permanent deacons. I said, Father, what are you talking about, permanent deacons? So he, he uh, pointed me to the document, Second Vatican Council document, Lumen Gentium, and showed me the paragraph on deacons. And as soon as I read that, it was like a wave hit me. And this feeling of complete peace came over me like, that is what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, and wow. so I called the chancery office. Easter Monday, they were closed. I called Easter Tuesday. I said, I want an application to the diaconate. And that started a five-year formation in our archdiocese. Isn't that beautiful how God planted in you that love for the liturgy, that love for the church, both ancient and new, and just you felt drawn to the altar. But at the same time... He exposed you to the woman that you'd share your life with, and you you would think that those would be uh, at the yeah, opposite you, spectrums, you know, but they're not. That's a great point. And I often wonder, well, why did God stick me in the monastery for several years? I mean, what was that about? But then I realized he foresaw the kind of life that I'd be living right now, traveling 70,000 miles a year, speaking to people all over the world, and that in order for me to sustain that, I'd have to be rooted in a life of prayer. And of course, as ordained, you know, we pray the liturgy hours every day, just like the priests do, on behalf of the entire church. So he fostered that love of the liturgy of the hours that I learned in the monastery, and knowing that, hey, this is something that you're going to need to be doing, you might as well love it. And, he, and I just love, to this day, I love praying the liturgy of the hours every day. Hmm. And so the Lord saw, foresaw that, that I didn't see it, 
but planted that seed, and now that seed is, is growing and, and flourishing now. You know, a lot of people don't know about the Liturgy of the Hours and don't realize this is the prayer of the church. You know, along with the Mass, this is the universal right. calling of the church to worship God in the Liturgy of the Hours. That's right. The Mass is actually just one form of liturgy. The other official public prayer of the church is the Liturgy of the Hours. Well, let's, uh, let's sort of talk a little bit now about what a deacon is. I mean, there's a lot of people that mistake deacons for priests. I mean, yes. I think every time I'm in investments, at least one time on Sunday, hello, Father, or that was a good yes. homily, Father. I enjoyed that, Father. And I say, well, I am a father, but not yours. That's right. Uh, but uh, people don't understand <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and what try, a deacon is. And try going to an Eastern parish. Like some, oh, like, some I go to a Maronite or Byzantine, and they call you Father Deacon. That's, what, that's, that's how they normally address their deacons. And so it gets really interesting there. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so let's talk about what, a, what sure. a deacon is and what a deacon does. Sure. And here's, here's the way I like to describe the diaconate. Uh, one of my favorite uh, stories in the – oh, so, so, so I dropped some dishes there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that wasn't your sandwich. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite uh, uh, stories in, in the New Testament is where you have the paralytic on the stretcher and his friends are trying to bring him to Jesus. And they're, they're trying to get through the front door and it's, the, the crowd is too big. So someone comes up with the idea, I know, we'll climb up to the roof and cut a hole in it and we'll drop the guy down to Jesus' feet. Huh? I feel sorry for the guy that owns the house, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's got a hole in his roof now. Exactly. We had Jesus there and that was good, but he has a hole in his roof. And, and so the way I like to think of Deke is we're the guys carrying the stretcher. We're the guys carrying the stretcher. You know, the, the, the bishop has two main jobs, to foster communion, especially around the holy sacrifice of the mass, and to evangelize. And so he can't be every place at once. That's at least right. I don't know any bishops that could bilocate. No, not you yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so given that, you know, he has priests on the one hand to help him with his ministry of, of, of fostering communion. And then he has the deacons that are ministers of evangelization. And so we are out in the world. We have one uh, a foot in the transcendent, you know, in the ordained realm. But then our other foot is in the temporal, in the earthly. I mean, we have jobs. We have families, you know. And, and so... We are bringing the people on the stretcher, the, the, the poor, the fallen away Catholic. People are confused about their faith. People that have misconceptions, people that are hurting, people that are broken, maybe people that have been divorced, wh- whatever it is. And we bring people to the priest. We bring people into church however we have to. If we've got to cut a hole in the roof, <laughs> if we've got to go through the door, however we get people to Jesus, we are there as permanent, sacramental, sacred ministers. Uh, publicly representing the church in the world and bringing people back to the church, back to the sacraments, back to the, the, the healing ministry of the priests. So, so we're there not to be priests, but to as- assist the priest and, the, and ultimately the bishop in his ministry of evangelization. And the deacon can also bring something to to the church that maybe a priest might have more difficult time doing. Uh, His Holiness Pope Benedict XVI, when addressing some permanent deacons in Rome, he said this, that the deacons were the link between the lay world, the professional world, and the world of the priestly ministry, given that many deacons continue carrying out their professions and maintain their positions, while on Saturday and Sunday they work in the church. And he says that the deacons give witness to the world of today as well as in the working world of the presence of faith, of the sacramental ministry, and the diaconal dimension of the sacrament of order. So the deacon is here and there. Absolutely. And I'll give you one quick story. Um, In my workplace... There was a gentleman there who was a fallen away Catholic, and I wouldn't talk to him too much about the faith because he was not open to it. You know, you always got to meet people where they are. That's right. And so, uh, but this guy one day was just going on and on about, I mean, really belittling his wife. Um, Just the way he talked about her was very disrespectful. And so, you know, that irked me. I said, you know, here's a chance for a deacon to do some evangelizing work. And so I was happened to be writing an article about marriage. 
I came into the office one day with this with this article, and I'm lamenting, going, "Oh man, I, I don't know what to do." And so he saw that, huh? He goes, he goes, "What's the matter?" I said, uh, "I've got this article, you know, it's, it's going to be published. I'm, I, I really didn't have time to proofread it. I'm not sure if it's any good or anything." He goes, "Oh, you want, would you like me to look at it for you?" <laughs> I'm said, "Oh, sure, would you?" And you know, I'm thinking the whole time that was the plan. And so uh, at the end of the day, he comes back to me with the with the newspaper and with, with the article, and he says. Um, I said, is there anything there that I missed, you know, anything that, that, that's off? He goes, no, 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 it was actually pretty good. He goes, I want to ask you about something here. So he asked me about one question that was in here, and then that was it. And I never brought it up to him again. But see, our job is to help plant the seeds of evangelization. So now fast forward. A few years later now, I'm at another job, but I happened to be passing through by my old employer. So I decided to, to stop in and see how things were going. He comes up to me and says he wants to talk to me. Now he tells me his wife has breast cancer. And he wanted me to pray with him. And so I did. And then he said, this was almost three years later. And he goes, remember when uh, you had written that article about marriage and you had me read? I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember. He goes, uh, I, I want to talk some more about that. You see, the deacon is out there in the world not being afraid to bring the richness and beauty and truth of our Catholic faith, meeting people where they are. So okay, if I would have pulled out canon law or the catechism at that point, that wouldn't have done anything for right. him. Yeah. But because we have families and we're witnesses of what the church, you know, not what's in the book, the book that's written in our hearts, that the Holy Spirit has given us in that charism of the diaconate, we bring that forward into the world and we're not afraid to make that known. Mm-hmm. Not knowing how the Holy Spirit will use that seed that we've planted to grow that person's faith in their own heart. Be not afraid. And, and Deacon Harold is not afraid, apparently. No. <laughs> uh, we got more to talk about in terms of the diaconate and what it means to the church and what it means to you, perhaps. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com, where you can hear this and all the shows we've ever recorded. But also, you can also uh, find out more about the Catholic Church and what she teaches. I'd also like you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we'll be right back. And this is another great moment in church history. Where are you going, my dear father, without your son? Where are you hurrying off to, holy priest, without your deacon? Before, you never mounted the altar of sacrifice without your servant, and now you wish to do it without me? These are the famous words of St. Lawrence, deacon and martyr, as he saw Pope St. Sixtus carried off to his death by the Roman authorities. St. Lawrence was one of the seven deacons of Rome and had great authority over the administration of the church. He was responsible for the church's funds and the care of the poor in Rome. Lawrence's responsibilities put him at the center of the pagan Roman government's hatred for the growing Christian church. The year was 258 A.D., and the Roman Emperor Valerian had declared Christianity an outlaw religion. Under Valerian's decree, many priests and deacons, including the Pope himself, were put to death. After Sixtus was put to death, the Prefect of Rome demanded that St. Lawrence give up the wealth of the church within three days, and he did just that. On the third day, Lawrence presented the prefect with the poor, the sick, the lame, the crippled, and said these suffering souls were the true treasures of the church. 
This act of courage enraged the prefect, and he condemned Deacon Lawrence to immediate death. St. Lawrence was martyred in one of the cruelest ways the Romans knew. They burned him alive on a metal grill. But even during this gruesome death, he was able to keep his Christian joy about him through a special grace from God. He was said to have remarked to his executioners, This side is done. Turn me over. The divine office accords this special prayer to him on his feast day. Father, you called St. Lawrence to serve you by love and crowned his life with glorious martyrdom. Help us to be like him in loving you and doing your work. Grant this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. St. Lawrence is a witness to the courageous life all deacons are called to live. They are not only servants of the high altar of God, but they are servants to the everyday needs of his people. St. Lawrence is a patron saint of deacons everywhere. His feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on August 10th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we are still sitting here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and we're joined by Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. And Deacon Harold, we were just talking about this idea that the deacon has got one foot in this world and one foot in that world. And in that straddling those two worlds and sort of bringing them together, uniting them in a very special way, does that benefit you in your ministry? Uh, it really, it really does. Because the word diakonia, where the word deacon comes from, in the Greek means servant. And so when you look at Ephesians chapter 5, it says, you know, wives, be submissive to your husbands, it's to the Lord. It's one of those verses that when people hear that, they kind of shriek. But, that, but, but that's exactly the kind of verse where I love being Catholic. Because if you, if you look at what that's saying, it says the women are supposed to place themselves under the man's mission. What does that mean? Well, the man's supposed to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And how did Christ show his love for the church? Oh, he, he gave his life yeah. and died right. for her in service to her. The world is hungry for the truth, right? The world wants oh, to know. There's no question about it at all. And it's, it's beautiful because one of the things I challenge men to do, because um, they say, well, what does the church teach about men? Well, the church doesn't have anything official. And it's funny because Pope John Paul II has several things for women. Mulieris Dignitatem on the Dignity of Education of Women, his special letter to women, but nothing really for men. But there are two documents about St. Joseph, Pope Leo XIII's document on St. Joseph, and then Guardian of the Redeemer by Pope John Paul II. Right. And I tell men, you know what you should do? You want to be a better man, husband, and father? Download one of those documents. You can get them free off the Vatican's website. Go into adoration one hour a week. And just start reading those documents as much as you can read in an hour. Don't rush through it. Just take your time. And by the end of that time in adoration, if you're not a better husband or father and be open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit by reading about the life of St. Joseph, then call me. I'll give you 100 bucks. And not, <laughs> in nine years, I've gotten not one call. We'll be giving out his phone number at the end of this. <laughs> uh, so, no, that's, and that's true. You know, when you open yourselves up to the promptings of the Spirit and, and you feed yourself good food, you're going to be a good man. Exactly. Exactly that's, right. That's the beauty, of our, the beauty of our church. Exactly right. Now, in my ministry, I get emails all the time from all around the world. And so many of the people that email me, I get these young men who are now sort of discovering this restored permanent diaconate, sometimes for the first time. And so you have these, these young men who are interested in vocations, who are now thinking maybe they're called to be married 
and also to be a deacon, to be ordained. And so I have several emails. I have one from a guy named Nicholas. Uh, Nicholas is 27 years old. He says he's an avid listener to the Catholic Cafe, and he believes his calling in life is to be a deacon. What does he do from now until uh, he reaches the ripe old age of 35? And I've got uh, Samuel from Spain, who's 22, says, What is the first thing you would say a person should think of if they were starting to consider the possibility of becoming a deacon? Then I have Catholic Mike from Wisconsin, and he starts going on a rant. And he says, Am I qualified for this? I'm orthodox in my faith and obedient to the church, but I'm a chemical engineer, not a theologian. How can I run and grow my new business and be a deacon? Uh, I think I'm the last guy on the planet to give any counseling. But still he feels pulled or called to the diaconate. And so he's wrestling with, with all these things. And, of course, I love this email from uh, Ben from Maryland. Ben is 24 years old. He's a Baptist. He's actually not a Catholic, but he's in the process of, of converting thanks to his beautiful wife. And uh, during adoration, he felt God speaking to him. He said, I felt God speaking to me and calling me to the diaconate. I'm going to begin RCIA in September and be confirmed at Easter Vigil. It's my heart's desire to share the church's faith with others and be the servant of Jesus Christ here on earth. Deacon Harold, what do we say to all these men who are now sort of discovering the possibility they might be being called by God into the vocation of the diaconate? Well, the first thing they need to do is uh, figure out if the diaconate is even in the area where they live. Um, You talked about the one uh, gentleman from Spain. There are many places around the world that don't have permanent deacons. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been to several countries where they see me and they go, what's a permanent deacon? We don't get it. Second of all, typically men who are called to the diaconate, again, the word means servant, are already serving very well in their families as husbands and fathers, in their jobs, maybe doing things in the parish. Maybe doing other ministries, say visit the Paul or working with, uh, you know, goodwill or, or whatever they're doing. And so what the church does is recognize that they have these servant gifts in their, right. in their life already. Now they're calling to, sh- to share that with the entire church. So be the best husband. Be the best father. Be the best worker. Be the best volunteer you can be right now. Also, if you contact your diocese, again, you have to be 35. Right. So most dioceses have a formation. 35 to be ordained. 35 to be ordained as a permanent deacon, correct. And so um, uh, many dioceses that have a diaconate program uh, follow the new norms by the National Directory for, uh, for the diaconate. That's right. Um, and so formation programs can be anywhere from four to five years. Um, there's, there's, there's typically a discernment process that happens first called the propedeutic year. And typically, if you're married, and, and that's the other thing, if, you, if you're married, you have to be married for at least five years. You have to be a Catholic for a particular amount of time so that one gentleman that's coming into the church may have to wait a few years to, to be soaked a little more in the Catholic ethos before the church believes he's ready to, to serve as an ordained minister. Also, if you're divorced or if you help participate in an abortion or something like that, there, there's an impediment there that has to be cleared up. And so there's a number of other factors that, that needs to be looked at as you're kind of discerning this whole process. And those are, those are really nuts and bolts kind of list things you've, just, you've, you've done there. But you mm-hmm. hit one word that really needs to be focused on. That's discernment. Yes. I mean, really, you're discerning yes. a call. That's right. This that's is a vocation. Right. This is like this is God saying this is what you are to be. Yes, it's going right. to change the character of your soul forever. It's not something to be taken lightly and, and think, well, I'll, I'll try it for a little while. And if I don't like it, I'll that's, go ahead and beg correct. out. It doesn't work that way. That's right. I mean, it's a very serious commitment. And. Um, you know, and my wife had a little bit of trepidations about it, to be quite honest with you. I mean, when I was ordained, I was the youngest. I was 36, and I was the youngest deacon they had ever ordained. In fact, I was the only deacon in my th- in, the, in my 30s. So you can begin um, the process before you're 35. Yes. You just can't be ordained permanently 
That's until right. you're 35. That's right, okay. until you're 35. Okay. Uh, but the, the bishop can give a, a right. special dispensation for that if you're close to that age. But um, So it was a discernment. I mean, I discerned with my wife. Um, you know, there was a series of retreats that went through. Adoration was extremely important. Mm-hmm. Um, really living the Catholic faith, talking to other deacons and their and their wives, and and looking at their their family life uh, was extremely important in, in helping discern. I said, well, you know, is God calling me to do this? Why am I attracted to this? You know, uh, do I understand what fully comes with this? How am I going to balance my work life, my family life? Life in a parish, mm-hmm. you know, because that that's extremely important. Well, you know, that's that's the that's the important thing. You have to wrestle with all those things, and it's not just you making that decision. You really have to be open to the promptings of the Spirit. God's going to tell you if you're supposed to be a deacon, and you know, you'll get some good positive fruits as you're doing that process, as you're going through aspirancy, uh, as you, when you become a candidate. Things will happen in your life. God will take care of you and give you all the graces you need if that's what you're called to do. And that's what our, our process is to try to figure out. Is that what God is really uh, asking of well, us? I, I know for me, I, I didn't think of myself much as a counselor, talking to people about their faith or about serious problems going on in their life. I just thought, you know, stick me in a parish and I'll just serve there and, and that'll be great. But you know what? Um, one of the things I learned as a deacon is that, uh, you know, people have skeletons in their closet. And sometimes, you know, they open that closet and ask you to come in, mm. you know, and that could be a, that could be a scary thing. But I tell you what, the <laughs> most fruitful part of my ministry is is being honored enough to have people break themselves open and pour themselves out to you mm-hmm. uh, to really share some very difficult things going in life because they think you, you have a family. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm going through. Plus, you're ordained. So so I'm really coming to you to help me figure out what's going on here. I mean, I didn't think I could do that, but I, but you're absolutely right, uh, Deacon Jeff. Uh, the grace that you receive in ordination really allows you to be able to 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 share yourself that that way with people and to be able to be with them. I mean, I've I've been in a hospital when a, a woman was married forty years and her husband was dying. He took his last breath, mm-hmm. and I was there with her uh, when her husband died. When the three month old baby died in the NICU, I was there with the family. I mean, I just never envisioned that, but 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 that in those sacred moments in people's lives there is the deacon there is the church representative with his foot there mm-hmm. in the world with the people i mean that's just a, what and a all of symbol. the graces of the church yes. flow through you absolutely. right to that 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 person to be ministered to. absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely yes, no beautiful. question about it now deacon harold if someone wants to find out more about your ministry find out more about getting you maybe to come to talk to their particular retreat or or conference or uh, discussion or whatever's going on at their particular church how do they get in touch with you Oh, they can uh, just go on the web and uh, type in deaconherald.net, and it'll go right to my website. All my contact information is, is right there. And uh, I have tons of stuff. Uh, I have an e-store, but I also have tons of free downloads and, and publications and things for people as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much, uh, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, for, uh, for visiting us here in the uh, luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. We really appreciated uh, you taking the time to visit with oh, us. Oh, well, thank you. I had, a, I had a wonderful, wonderful time. Thank you so much. Very good. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, in your great wisdom, you gave to your holy church the mission of salvation of all souls and called ministers to act in the very person of Christ as they care for all those who seek you. Look lovingly and mercifully upon the work of your church in this world and bless the bishops, priests, and deacons you have called to serve those whom you love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com.
Catholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.